you know, get that proper rest for, for the race, I guess. Yep, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think the key thing is about rest, in my opinion, too. You know, it's how we rest the kids, you know, the athletes. A lot of people think that we got to keep working, we got to keep doing this, you know, if we don't do volume, if we don't do work, if we don't do this, uh, you know, uh, the, the swimmers are going to get to the competition um, out of shape. And honestly, I'm not sure what the book says, like the scientists say, but after watching uh, for so many years and doing so many papers every year, I really believe that the, the most important thing is rest. How you apply that rest, you know? How do you understand your, your athletes? That's a very important thing, you know? Like, um, like for me, I start tapering, let's say, at least five weeks before the big competition. And I know some of you are gonna say, well, you know, I have young kids and this, and we don't train that much. But I normally start thinking about my taper when I need to start five weeks. Sometimes it'll be four weeks, four and a half weeks. But normally, you know, I, I try to think the fifth week, the, the fifth week before my big meet, I need to start thinking how I, how I start resting my kids. Um, so, so, you know, uh, to me, it's not like, a, it, like, it's not like, a, there's not really a, a system besides, you know, I have, I think I mentioned to you before, I have a three day, three day cycle twice a week. One day I do power speed, one day, one day, one day I do aerobic work and one day I do, I do race pace. Uh, you know, normally the race pace is going to be in strategically placed in a day that we know that we have competition, you know, and, and that would be on a Saturday and maybe on a Friday, Saturday. Uh, and I don't really change much with that. To me, the, the, the rest doesn't look like if I'm here, I go all the way down. It's like a stair, you know, like this, like down, like this, like down, like this, like that, you know. Sometimes I have to go up a little bit because I feel that sometimes if I'm resting the kids and they, they look too, too sharp, uh, what I try to do, I will try to not push them down, but maybe I'll, I'll fake it a little bit with a little bit more of aerobic work. You know, um, so it's, you know, but normally I keep the same routine of uh, power speed, aerobic work, race pace, power speed, aerobic work, race pace. You know, uh, the volume decreases also progressively. You know, it all depends on the type of swimmer, you know. Even if I have swimmers with very low rest, uh, no, with very low rest. Uh, if I have swimmers, they, they do already small volume. Sometimes I'm not afraid of going really, really slow. Like, for example, you guys remember people that you know when I was in Singapore, I had Kevin Cordes training with us. Uh, and Kevin Cordes won seven medals at the World Championships in breaststroke in between 2015 and 2017, between those two. And Kevin was the type of guy that I know for 2017, the last four weeks, he was averaging 1,400 yards, meters a day, 1,400, you know? And he was a swimmer, the swim, a 50 breaststroke, 26, six, I think, the 100 breaststroke, 58, uh, 58.6 or 58.7. The 200 rest of 207. And our trials, he rested four to five weeks for our trials, like that. And our trials for the World Championships lasted five days. And he almost had to swim almost every day, doing prelims, semifinals, and finals, and all that stuff. And he qualified in the three events. And then he had four weeks before World Championships, which one of the weeks he was out of the water because he, he injured himself outside of the water. And so he only had three weeks. So in those three weeks, he did the same thing. So for a period of seven weeks, and in other words, I think he swam for almost seven days between the 50 breaststroke, the 100 breaststroke, the 200 breaststroke, the, the mixed relay, the medley relay. So, so very busy schedule. Now, I cannot do that with everybody. There's swimmers, they, they cannot do that. So you really have to, as a coach, uh, individualize the taper. Um, but, but yeah, 
So, so who can share? Who else? You know, Texas, share with us a little bit. But who can share a little bit more about what you do in Taper? You know, you guys, a lot of you guys coach young kids. Yeah. You know? So basically, you, yeah, for us, being coaching the age group swimmers and, and especially the young, young ones, like we barely even have a taper for them. Taper is basically a mental kind of adaptation thing rather than physical for the younger kids, saying 14 and below. So we just try and make sure that they're just like feeling ready for the meet mentally rather than just going physical. And sometimes a taper for them would be like a day or two, like three sessions, uh, kind of just working speed, speed, speed just doing some chords and just getting that vibe up on the pool. Yeah, that's for us. And basically, like, if, if the kids are, like, from 14 to 18, that age group tapers for the major meet, saying about a week or a week and a half, not more than that. So, yeah, that's for us, basically. We just try and keep up. The, the major focus for us is, is basically, of course, there's physical adaptation, but with that, we're just trying to get the team together and uh, we just try and look at the mental side of it, how you know, when you start physically getting them, you know, resting them up there, they're just like, the team comes together, there's lots of jokes, you see that a different vibe coming through the team, and you know, the, the kids are feeling ready for the races. That's what we basically look at. Awesome. Uh, any, anyone else wants to share anything? I'm going to say that sometimes, depending on the kids and who you've got, etc. probably the last taper that we did, we kind of let the kids have a little bit of choice about how they were feeling and how their body was because it kind of felt like the kids had got to the point with a little bit of awareness about saying where they were at and what they actually needed. Of course, we did some guidelines and, of course, the older kids got more choice about what they were actually doing during that tapering for some of those sessions about how they were feeling for that day. Um, pretty much they weren't able to choose what they were actually feeling until after the warm-up where they got to kind of then choose some of the sets that maybe how much aerobic work they did, how much race pace kind of stuff they did. Awesome. Thank you, Hannah. Uh, anybody else? You know, you know, Serge, I think that's something similar that uh, that I did here with our guys when you guys are at women's ACCs was trying to keep them mentally ready. Like we had a, a sprinter, uh, Tommy, that uh, Albert put into a set that it was really important for him to, in his mind, uh, not physically, but in his mind, to break 20 points. Uh, and he did a 50 from the blocks, short course yards, and he went 20 point, like, in, with my watch, and this is hand time, mind you, like 20.11. And I told him he went 20.97, or sorry, 19.97, just to, just to tell him he broke 20 points. It's basically like breaking, uh, 23.0 in, in long course meters. Uh, and for his mind and where he was, and I was watching his body language as he was going through the set. And it was so important to him to hear that time of breaking 20 point, that kind of barrier. And it was something that he had to, had to hear to swim past. And it was something I saw him doing and just watching him kind of, uh, the way that he, when he went, uh, 20.8 on the first one, he was just like crushed. And the way his body language was and the way like his shoulders just like sank in his head and everything. And the way he swam, he said he swam it really well. And he, you know, he executed things really well. He, he hit his dives, he hit his starts really well, his turns um, really well, but he just didn't have the speed at that point. But obviously mentally, it wasn't the right time to tell him that, yeah, you want, you want 20 points. And he needed to hear 19 something, whatever it was. If he went 19.7 or 19.9, he had to hear that. And it was a mental barrier for him. Um, and it was something that it's so individualistic at that point in, in paper and you know, I think in your mind and my mind as well but kids have to hear something like sometimes they need to hear that boost of yes you did this or no like hey you're not there yet you gotta you gotta push a little bit more here uh it's so individualistic and, and things like that so it's it definitely a more mental aspect I think in my mind than it is physical sometimes um it, it's interesting to hear some of your other uh your other opinions Thanks, Peyton. Any anybody? Uh, morning, Sergio. Um, I'll jump, I'll jump in there. Um, that the thing with Coach uh, Peyton's about the about the timing. Um, so uh, I learned uh, a few years back when I was still in the UK. Actually, um, one of my mentors he just said, "Just put up, watch your weight." Um, 
Lulu Foss's coach, I worked with uh, Coach David at uh, Lafra. Um, yeah, the last couple of days as we were approaching our competition, um, we actually just put our stopwatches in our pockets and uh, we, we just watched the swimmers swim rather than uh, looking at the stopwatch all the time. Um, uh, looking more at form because they were getting so uh, uptight uh, as we were approaching the Olympic trials for, for 2012. Um, they, they were getting more and more fixated on the time. And like you say, uh, uh, we, uh, we, we, we're talking meters, but um, like uh, one zero zero and a 59.9 is, there's no difference really other than the mental side of 59.9 looks so much better than, than a one zero zero. And um, um, so, so one of the things that we did um, approaching Olympic trials in London was uh, we just put the stopwatch away for a couple of days so that um, one, the, the swimmers weren't so fixated on the actual time. And two, also for, for ourselves, like, because we, we sense that ourselves, uh, if the child is not hitting a time, um, I think our own body language, we were getting more and more uh, freaked out about it, that they weren't ready. Um, and the opposite as well is that they were going faster than perhaps uh, expected. And um, they were feeding off of our own emotions uh, uh, in going into that high pressure meet. So, so one of the things that we do is just put the stopwatch away for the last couple of days um, uh, so, so that the swimmers didn't feed off of that. Um, a second thing that um, I do, which is uh, quite common of my program, is I don't give the children or I don't give my swimmers their time. So when they come in, we're doing whatever it is, 2100s, whatever. I don't give them uh, the time. I'd rather, I ask them to tell me the time that they thought they swam. So if they're going 2100s and must hold 108, um, as they come in, um, uh, instead of saying, coach, what was my time? Or um, I, I, we turn off the pace clocks. Um, I'd rather ask them, what time do you think you swam? And um, um, then I get that feedback and then um, if they're way off, they'll know about it. And then if they're much closer to, to the target time or the goal time or the pace time that they're expected to do, then, then they get that feedback. Yes, you're, you're close or, or you're, you're way off. But we, I, I try to move away from being fixated on uh, constantly on the clock and then rather focusing on, um, on how to do the swim or on, on that process of how the swim looked and how the swim felt. And then we, eventually we get to a point where we can marry the two together they start, I found that the swimmers start becoming um, quite, quite accurate and quite uh, very good at actually being able to uh, tell me the time that is almost uh, replicated on, on my stopwatch, with the, even within uh, uh, 0.2 of the split time. Well, thanks a lot, Jill. Uh, I think um, just when the same things that you were saying, uh, we probably, I don't know how, how long before, but four or five weeks before the big meet, many days, we don't use the stopwatches, you know, and, and mainly we don't use the stopwatches in short stuff, you know, because these kids, they do 25s from the block, 50s from the push, whatever it is, every day as they taper, the natural reaction is I need to be faster, you know. If yesterday I was 27.8, in two days I need to be 27.7, because if I go 28.2, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not in the right path. And so for us, we, I agree with you 100%. It's something that we do, I've been doing for a long time, not just two days before, but many times I give them sets and I don't, uh, I don't take any times. And many times they ask me why. And the reason more than, more, more than anything is always try to teach them that the time is relative. You know, the most important thing is how you execute the task and how you understand to do that task. And, and if you do everything properly at one point, uh, you know, when you rest and shade and taper, the time will come, you know? So thanks a lot, Jill, for, for sharing that. Um, I, and, you know, I, I, I agree with that. I think that's, it's swimming, like we talked before, is a big part, a psychological game. So I don't like to use this word, but it's how you manipulate the mind of people, of kids, you know? 
and manipulation you know when you say manipulate the mind people think in a con in a negative con uh, negative meaning but it doesn't have to have a negative meaning you know it's a very positive thing you know the kids trust you and the kids believe in you and you know you need to make sure that you learn how to touch every single button for the kids you know um one of the things that i would like to ask you guys because I know when I coach younger kids, I still taper four weeks or three weeks or five weeks, whatever it is, at a different level, but I still do. Um, you know, many times, I don't know if, if you have paid attention to this, when you swim for a season, and I'm not sure how many weeks of a break you guys have during the summer or during the winter, you know, but let's say in America, when I was coaching at Bowls, uh, we, we, I gave them most of the team will have four weeks off in the summer, three to four weeks off, you know, and, and many times we train so hard and we went to the meet and the meet, they, they swim bad, maybe not all of them, but the big percentage of the team so bad and you're scratching your head, what did I do, blah, 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 blah. Then they go on a vacation and they come back three weeks later and you start like practicing and the first meet that they swim, they swim so fast, most of them best times. And then you go to the next meet a month later and they go slow again, you know? And, 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 and I've always thought that rest is important. It's really, really important. It doesn't matter the age. Because sometimes you can be 13 years old if you go to practice every day and some of you have already doubles for the 13-year-old kids plus a school, plus this, plus that, plus this, plus that, plus home, plus uh, uh, tutoring, plus all that stuff. The kids are overwhelmed. They're so overwhelmed that sometimes when they get to the competition, they're physically in the best shape, but mentally they cannot connect anything. I don't know if you've seen any of that. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah, a lot of times actually. If I have to take an example from last year, we have a year round program, so we barely have, like, we don't have any days off at all. So there's Either one of the coaches from our staff will be back here at the school doing the training program. So there was the summer camp. We have like seven weeks of break, but we still have training camps running through. So during that time, there were swimmers who were swimming for the six weeks and, you know, barely took about a week off for the training. And they've been training the year, like the whole year and just took like about a week off because, you know, they were here and they, they thought like it would be better to swim rather than just taking rest. And there were swimmers who took three weeks off when they came back for the first meet and there were like massive differences like with the swimmers who rested who were performing really well and they're in a great mental shape compared to the swimmers who were training for the whole time here and they felt like oh we've been training like we've been doing all the hard work and why are we facing this so this was this was quite an exciting and interesting thing for the for the swimmers who were here to to learn and you know get into that situation of oh, okay how rest is important, how pivotal role that it plays into into the times when you go to the meets and stuff. So yeah, that was that was kind of my experience. I wanted to share. It's it's really important to rest when it comes down to to, to any age group. I feel like you you need to refresh, reboot, so that it can fire up again. You know, like for example, for us at Bolts, like you have junior nationals in December as a team, and then you have junior nationals in the summer, you know. We probably won in, in the seven and a half years that I was there, we won seven years, or six years straight, the junior nationals in the winter. But in the summer, I never, I never took the full team because I always told them that it was not necessary for them to go to nationals. They needed to have a vacation. So, because uh, US nationals in the summer, or like junior nationals, was always around the between the 6th of August until the 13th of August. And our school normally started August 10th, August 11th. So the poor kids barely had a, they didn't have a break. So I would rather if we had a meet like sectionals, we call here sectionals, it's kind of like a regional meet where you have four or five states together. And that meet normally was the mid of the second week, the first week, the second week of July. So they will have well, maybe the third, but still they will have three weeks off before they start school. And I would rather give up a junior national title 
than having the kids just go like that, like that. And and that worked pretty well. The first the first year I didn't do it because I thought that I have to keep going and I have to keep going and it's so important for the for the name of the team, you know, to always keep winning. But it's not healthy for the kids. And I think it's very important to set up your seasons where your kids have a time where they can go on vacation with their families. They can be a menace to society in the in the streets playing with their friends. They can be staying and you know do things that they cannot do during the school year or during the time you know. Uh -huh. So, so it's important to plan that. It's my opinion, you know. Like, I I totally agree. There's there's also been situations where the kids are fully tapered for a, for a meet and they couldn't perform to the best where they have tapered like drop tapered just two three days and they perform very well so it's quite an exciting thing and things like you learn a lot and especially with the top group is like age group of 16 to 18 when they do that it, it it just tells you a lot about like how mentally if they are tapering for that long like two weeks taper before the major meet it starts working up back in the head and then they you know start working their some themselves up like the way that you mentioned maybe the times or you know, just you know just stressing themselves out if i'm going to make it for them make it for the team if i'm going to be able to 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 perform to my best you know just those things ends up being a negative performance rather than being positive in terms of like when you've trained so much and you know just feel ready and and two days taper or rested feeling great with the team and you you just like with the mental side of it you just perform your best times yeah. well it's a very interesting process you know i think uh as a coach uh, everybody has a different system and if it works for you why change it you know i think the most important thing that i believe is pay attention to to your program and how the kids react and how why things happen you know uh so because, because that you know, as, as I said before, in my opinion, you learn from your athletes all the time. And, and, you know, you're gonna learn by the actions that they have, that they do, not by what they tell you. What they tell you is important many times. But, so it's important to listen to them. You know, coach. You know, I was so exhausted. You know, like for example, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but in 2018, uh, Kevin Cordes. Uh, went to train in altitude for a couple of weeks and um, while he got there he had some sort of virus that he was very sick and the US, US, USA swimming told them the doctors over there told them that he couldn't train so for one week he didn't train and as it is he was already doing low mileage and all this and when he got into the water back I told him I was like look I think we need to bump up your 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 aerobic work, you know, for, for a little bit, because you miss this week and as it is, you don't do much volume. He agreed, we bumped up a little bit. And, you know, it's, uh, at that point he would have been doing 2,500 and we, 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 we put it up to 3,000, 3,300. And we kept, and then we did the taper and all that stuff. And when he went, went to the meet, you know, he was looking very good. You watch him in the warm-ups and he was moving smoothly and fast. And But every race that he was swimming, he was dying. The last 25% of the race, he was done. He couldn't finish. And and at the end of the race, at the end of the, all the races, he told me, you know, he said, you know, Sergio, I think we made a mistake bumping up a little bit the volume when I was sick. We should have kept going with me tapering didn't matter because right now I feel good, but I can, I get, I get, too, I get tired very quickly. And I think if I would have kept resting, I would be better. You know, and the poor guy was the first time in many years that he didn't make the national team. I still went 59, seven in the hundred restaurant, but in the U S that's, that's not fast. Uh, and he didn't make the national team because we made a mistake on the taper not on, on, on the training the whole season. So it's interesting, you know. So. Uh, Sergio, I have a question. Uh, we've been talking a lot about like guys and you know younger guys, but how about, you know, girls who, who've been through their uh, menstrual, like just started their menses a little bit older. 
um, the way the way you taper and the way you prepare for your program is it should be a little bit different, right? Uh, or not wrong because I, um, you know, I've helped it for for a few, especially like two years ago. You know, I've been having a little bit of problems with the older girls. Then um, you know, I've been asking around, and so, some of the coaches around here in Malaysia they were telling me how you know girls need to be a little bit need to be worked a little bit more. Um, you know, their mileage should be dropped. Uh, shouldn't be dropped that much uh, before a competition and it tends to work a little bit you know I've seen, I saw some results so yeah I just wanted to put it out there so I can you know I, I, think, uh, I, I think you might be right on something uh, I taper everybody when I start tapering we look at individual cases like Peyton mentioned to you and you have girls that are stronger than the guys nowadays you have girls that physically are specimens they're so strong and those girls they need to rest and other girls, like other guys, that are very light, that they need to do more training. You know, so at that point, you start, you start uh, changing within the practice. You know, putting more volume to this person, less volume to that person, and that's 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 an art in a way, because uh, nowadays the girls are not the same than 15 years ago, right? And if you come to America and you watch the specimens. Of the girls that we have you know they have more muscle mass than many of our kids that we have many of the boys so but i think i think it's it's a matter of like having a good eye and i start tapering at the same at the same time we start tapering at the same time and then you know like like for example jill was mentioning lulu lulu boss trends with us and and she's she does many times more volume than other kids she swims up to the, the mile, but she likes to feel the water. And it's psychologically, she needs to feel the water. So, so then we give her a little bit more. But we have other girls that they do the same thing than the guys, you know? So I, I, think, I think it all depends on the person. And then you have guys that they have no muscle mass, you know, and they, they cannot taper. I, I couldn't taper to save my life. You know, when I was young, well, young, you know, uh, Doc Councilman tried to taper me for a long time, and I swam slower at the meet. Yeah, the, the, I was swimming in season, but my problem was that I was 187 centimeters tall, and I was like 60, 60 kilograms, 70 kilo, 60 something kilograms, very skinny, no muscle, and I was always on top of the water. Now later on, when I when I was 28 years old and I was a little bit stronger, I had to rest a lot more. Well, I was 24 years old, stronger, that I probably put 15 pounds or whatever it was, or seven or eight kilograms. I had to rest a little more. It all depends on, on the athlete. Yeah. Coach Sergio, um, well, in my experience, because uh, I coach obviously in the UK and the US, uh, and now I'm in Singapore, but um, in the US, when I was in um, San Diego, the, the the swimmers compete so much. It's uh, every every weekend, maybe um, three three weekends in a month, um, and uh, that uh, coming out of um, England, where we didn't compete that much, um, we 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 trained. Uh, obviously, we competed, but um, I, I would estimate maybe nine nine times nine times uh, nine times a season. Um, and then we obviously worked our taper up until like the, the nationals or, or the Olympic trials. Um, and, and I felt like we had um, swimmers who were mature enough to understand that we're, we're not uh, resting or tapering uh, for, for every meet, but we, we didn't do that many meets uh, in, in theory, about around nine, around nine meets a year before we, we reached uh, the nationals at the end of the season. But when I was in the US, every single weekend uh friday saturday sunday multiple events um and um uh of course there's the pressure from the parents like why is my child not dropping time uh, the children themselves so why are we not dropping time every weekend um but the so so working towards a, a bigger taper um at the end of the season th that was quite difficult in trying to um uh, sell that message that uh, the time will drop, but we're, we're kind of we've got to work through the meets without resting or tapering for every meet uh, two or three times a, a, 
a month. Um, but so, so my sense of taper really changed uh, um, in when I was coaching in the U.S. Um, I just uh, the, I, I found that uh, the, the my training programs was um, uh, I, I had to adjust my training program where where the meets themselves every like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like I said, about three maybe three times a month um, actually formed part of my training rather than. Uh, I try to view it as a training set, uh, like my race pace set or my VO2 max set um, on those Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, um, uh, rather than, uh, like I say, uh, resting or this idea of taper uh, all the time because I couldn't manage that. We, uh, in the beginning, I just felt we weren't getting anything done. On Mon Monday, Monday, the, the children are shot from the weekend. Uh, we do some training Tuesday, Wednesday, and then already they're wanting to rest the Thursday before the meet again on Friday. So it wasn't possible for me. Uh, so, so that was a big learning curve. The, the amount of competitions that the swimmers do in, especially in the US compared to where we were in England and, and in Singapore, they do even a whole lot less than, than what we do in, um, uh, in the UK and definitely compared to the USA. So like I said, that was a big learning curve for me, but, um, the I guess with um, you, so and uh, I'm asking you to teach us is um, your your kids are competing obviously like uh, uh, dual meets, conference meets, um, and then uh, maybe NCAA's, and then like you said, junior nationals, nationals. So they are the, the level of the meets are also very very high, and the expectation. Um, I suspect this expectation is also different from different people. Um, of course, your swimmers are more mature, but um, you have, like you speak about Kevin Cordes uh, or Michael Lawrence, whatever, they're working towards uh, a nationals or Olympic trials, but then you've got your other swimmers working towards um, doing well at conference or, or, or trying to qualify for NCAAs and, and that type of thing. So uh, how do you manage that difference between um, the expectations um, for the different levels of meat are you working always towards like the, the biggest meet of the year or are there various stepping stones and you adjust your rest or your taper accordingly? And also how do you adjust maybe the expectations? Like uh, I'm sure the athletics director at Virginia Tech has certain expectations, um, but then you have your professional swimmers, Joseph and uh, Farida, uh, who, who have different expectations um, and, and are working towards different meets. So maybe you can, talk us through sort of like the, the meat set you go to, how you rest or taper or maybe you don't, and dealing with the, the expectations for some of those bigger level meats? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. Um, we have a lot of competitions in the United States. That's, that's, that, and that's one thing that I struggle with Singapore. In Singapore, I really try to make the association understand that it would be important to create relationships between the teams and organize themselves like wicked meets. You know, the kids need to race because it's very boring. And then when you go to a meet once every six weeks, the parents are expecting results, results, and results. And you cannot really work towards anything. Now, for us, it's a little bit different. Like, for example, for the college team, I don't know how many meets we have in, in, between September and November, but there's a lot of them. And sometimes we even create our own meets. Like, you know, with, with good official time and, and all that stuff. But the goal for us is, our goal is to swim fast in February. Everything else that we do with the college team is to qualify for NCAAs. The NCAA times are very fast. They only take 250 swimmers between all the events. So normally the A cut, uh, in, you know, in the 50 breaststroke is 51.6, I think, 51.6 in, in meters. It's like a 57 something in short course meters. So imagine how fast that is. You know? So normally there's only like maybe anywhere between five to 12 people that make the A cut. And they normally take in the men's side, 29 guys in each event, and in the women's side, 31 guys. So it's a very small meet for the number of athletes that we have. So the goal, 99% of the conference of, of the swimmers, the coaches in the United States, train their kids for the conference meet. It's normally 
the last week in February. Yeah. Everything else that we do is just training. We go through it. We don't suit up. That this is going to change, but in November we have a three-day meet. It's kind of a simulation of the conference that we give them two days rest. That we talk about it because many times two days rest has more more harm than good for older older athletes. But we we through we swim through every meet. There's no like, and we tell in some of the kids swim. In the 500 freestyle or the 400 IM, they swim 20 seconds slower normally than their best time, and that's fine. It's it's something that we we, we have to talk with them and we teach them. Our athletic dep department in swimming, most of the athletic directors understand that it's not like football. That if you win uh, 15 out of the, the 16 games, you might you might qualify for a ball. It doesn't matter how many dual meets we win because it's about time, you know, and you have to make a certain time at the end of the, of the year. You know. For the conference meet, we don't have qualifying times. We take 18 best swimmers in each for the men and for the women. Make sense? So, so in that sense, we don't have pressure from them. Some universities have pressure, for example, for us, we have this thing called the Commonwealth Cup. It's between University of Virginia and Virginia Tech, because they're the two big division one programs in the state. So every time that we compete against them, we need to, we, we, we're supposed to beat them in football and soccer in everything. So if we beat them, it's a big, it's a big deal. Makes sense. But we don't taper for it. We don't. And they understand. Our athletic director understands that, uh, that if we lose, it's okay. Like, like this year we beat UVA and, uh, by, by a little bit, by 14 points or something like that. But um, it's the first time we only we only beat UVA six times in the history. Six times. So it was a big deal for them, but it was not something that we were looking for. Right? We were looking to perform at a high level, to compete, to be the best thing that we can be. And that's a hard thing to sell. But once you go into college athletics, Swimming, uh, people understand that. They, you, you train, you train, you train for the conference meet. Now, the hard part, we have many foreigners that are training to try to make the Olympic team, to try to make the world championships. And many countries have, we have the conference, four weeks later, the NC2As, and anywhere between a week to four weeks later, there are trials. So that's a very complicated thing because you have three, three tapers there. So psychologically, it's a very hard thing, you know? So you have to be on top of the kids. It's, that's when it's more important that the athlete really believes in you. Make sense? That they believe in what they do, you know? Like we had a boy last year, he came from Bulgaria. He was already top eight in the world in the 200 butterfly before he came with us. But he needed to qualify for the Olympics. He's used to training long course to do certain things. And, and he went to the... He came in January, so it was very hard for him to adapt. He went to the conference meet, qualified for NC2As. He went to NC2As, taper again, and because he had to taper for the conference meet because he couldn't understand yards, you know. He went to NC2As, and he got ninth at NC2As when the guy that won, this, this Brazilian guy, he's two seconds slower than him in locals, but the, the poor guy couldn't understand yards. And two weeks later, we went to a meeting in long course without training in long course for a long time. And he had to qualify for the Olympics. And he was a little bit nervous, but he believed in us very well and he just swam and made the Olympic cut on his third day. You know. So so it's, it's how you teach them to, to to trust the process. Make sense? So it's it's all it's very psychological. And you have to understand the the environment, the that you have. I think competitions, a lot of competitions are good. I like them because like you said, in America, you use the competitions as part of your training. I set up my three-day cycles in a way that either Friday or Saturday, if I do race pace is, or power speed race pace, is simulating the competition. Make sense? And sometimes I cannot train because I have a 
a Friday competition. I have a dual meet against Duke on Friday, and I have a dual meet against Virginia on Saturday. I have to do two days of race pace. No? Do I make sense? So you have to figure it out with all that. And I think that's also for the younger, you know, when I was at Bulls, we had a lot of competitions too, because the high school season first, you know, in, in, between September and November, we had 13 dual meets, 13 dual meets. So it's like, sometimes you have a dual meet on Tuesday and sometimes you have a dual meet on Thursday. So you had to be very creative because you didn't want to lose training, uh, but you, need, you wanted to utilize the competition as something important. But that falls, it falls into the educational part that you have to have with your parents, you know, where you teach them about, if you come into our program, this is how the, the season functions, you know? You cannot be worried all the time about uh, performing fast and swimming fast and doing this, you know? And when I was at the NTC Center in Singapore, I had a lot of these issues with some parents. And you know, oh, my kid needs to do a best time. It's like, for what? Oh, because this meet is very important. It's like, this meet is not very important. Well, I had to fight against coaches from the sports school or others, other places that they wanted to taper for another competition that was a shit competition, important for nobody, had no relevance with anything. But because, oh, it's a competition that we've done for a long time and it's very important for our school. It's like, for what? So you can go to somewhere and swim like a recreational meet when you're talking about these kids going to the sea games or junior world championships or things like that. So it's, it's setting the standards though. You know, you have to have certain standards. Also, we have a very set season and people understand. Like, like Joseph or Farida, we go to most of the meets with the only expectation is give your best and see where we are. And as things happen, we, we can change things and we'll learn. And are we, are we on the right path in training? Yes or no? Do we need to do more of this, less of that? Do we need to change this? We need to change that. You know, so we don't really rest for, for all these needs. That's, that's important. You know, because for us, if, if I want if I want to be able to taper in February and four weeks later taper again, I have to, I have to give up some things. So, uh, uh, the Bulgarian guy that I told you, he went to European, no short course walls or European. I don't remember what was this past summer. You remember this past December, Peyton, you remember which meet was it? Uh, Europeans. Europeans. And we didn't taper him. We tapered him just a little bit so he could, you know, go out there. And he swam his back, he broke the national records just because he understood that I'm, I'm fit, I'm ready, I'm competitor, and I'm going to go. If I don't swim my best times, it's okay because the Olympic Games are going to be later. NC2A's Olympic Games, I'm already qualified. So those are the things, the steps that you need to teach your athletes. And I'm talking about Olympic Games like this, but you're talking about the age group C games, the, the school national championships. Those are as important as the Olympics and anything else. It's just how you prioritize things. You know, the biggest problem that I had in Singapore to be able to make a big season plan is that they had no calendar year of goals. So I was trying to set up a five-year calendar year for between the 2016 and four more years and try to prioritize meets. For us, as the national team, Olympic Games, Asian Games, Commonwealth Games, Sea Games, and you know, you keep going down. That the Sea Games, for them, is, is like, like the Olympics. In my book, it's the fourth thing. Why? Because the Sea Games, I'm sorry, it's not more important than the Olympics, but if I, if I prepare my kids to be competitive at the Olympic level, they're going to go to the SEA Games and beat everybody with no hesitation and no questions. So you have to learn how to prioritize, you know, and understand the steps to get to the top. You know, like 
And I'm not saying that I wouldn't work hard for the Sea Games because that's so important for the country. But when the kids are only worried about uh, a meet that it's the fourth one from the top, and the whole country and the parents and the kids only care about the accolades of and my 40 year old kid goes to Sea Games and yeah, it's a champion already, we have a problem. And that's an educational problem. Anybody else have a taper? Yeah. I think it's taper actually for me. I have a little bit younger kids here. Is if you're talking about the tape, also need to be care about the value of training. If you have no enough of meters, for example, about the kids, yeah, if we have three to four K, but they possession no point for four or five weeks do is take a workout for them. Yeah. So if we learn from beginner one, from my view, is more start to need to teach them from someone is for example, five days or one week and growing when growing older, then we go take it is four to five weeks, yes. But if you're talking about the youngest one, they have another one goal, another one achievement. So for example, for me, I don't put for taper for them, don't swim is fast, really fast. I put for them how they can swim faster, can beat this PB during time training, it's okay, fine. Go to competition and do is your best again. It's fine for me. It's not the means you put the goal. Yes, we're talking, you look like Olympian, we're talking about the properly how this system is running. Yes, it's good. It's working because you 12 times, 11 times per week you have session. Uh, if we're talking about some club, for me, I agree in Singapore have no enough competition. If we have one competition for club per month, this is not enough. Later, we also will talking about the test set. Actually, need to make some fun for the kids and do some racing in the club competition in club inside because no choice need to make for them race because no enough they is hungry about competition action and uh, for me do is just special paper workout for long i cannot say need to do is four for five weeks for major competition for younger one this younger one is 12 and below actually for me still is young and it's, it's ladies my view i i think you're right how do you pronounce your name Sierhe. Sergey, 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 okay, like me, Sergey. You know, but I'm not, I'm not Russian, or Russian, or from whatever you are. Sorry. Um, I think, I think taper is like you said. You know, you have to understand your the world that you are in. You know, I'm talking about certain ages because that's what I coach, and I've been coaching for a while. You know, but I, I think it's very important. But I think about the competition. We create competition. We created here. Uh, uh, we have a lot of competitions. We still create a competition between ourselves. We made one of those belts like the, for boxing, you know, and we divided the team in the orange and the maroon, and we call it the hockey challenge. And the hockey is our mascot. And we have half of the team is maroon, half of the team is orange. And we have different things in the competition, like grades in school, attendance, uh, points in competition, and sometimes and more this year because our budget is going to get cut. We're going to have to have dual meet competitions between ourselves. You know, we have about 70 something swimmers, so 30 something on one side, 30 something on the other side. And we compete. We put the, the official timing and all this. And the times might not be official for the Federation, but it's okay. They can see the right time, you know? And I think that's very important. Like one of the easy things in America to create competitions is that we don't need to hire officials, you know, in a club, if you have three people, three parents, there's certified by USA student as officials, you can run meets and the parents can be volunteers on the stopwatch, you know, so it's a little bit easier for that because financially it takes a burden, you know, but I think what's like you said, Sergey, organized competitions. And if you can only taper three days, five days because of the ages, that's great. You know, there's, there's, you know, I'm just, for example, expressing what I do, you know, as a swimmer, when I was a swimmer, I would have never thought of tapering for five weeks. I come from Spain and my coaches would have shot me. No, you have to train more and more. So it's like, you know, and it worked, you know.
но екшели раша и втори не бао да раша на чужди си. Турецки, турецки дон таки не бао да тейпа ту мач. Турецки токи не бао да свим из максимум <laughs> and all out. If, if his religion about the paper, because different countries, I agree, is different view about how this is running, and different age actually. And top level, of course, we're talking about Olympic game, low level, about uh, how to save the kids and make it more interesting to make for them a challenge, someone, the future is growing actually. So, yeah, that's but, but competition but, is. Sergey, think about this. High level is also like a, a low level. You have to keep them interested. Do you think Joseph Schooling or Farida or these guys that are 20 something years old, you have to be creative every day to keep them engaged. Because if not, this is boring, this is bullshit. What the, what the heck I'm doing here? Why? I, sh- I need to get on with my life. I need to get married. I want to have kids. Uh, the first minute that they go wrong, that goes wrong. It's like, Sergio, I'm wasting my time. I'm this old. And so it's like, They're like you're like wow, you know. So so it's it's the same thing that when you have a 12 year old kid, I want to go play soccer. Uh, why I'm swimming up and down the pool? It's the same. It's the same shit in a different context. You know. I agree. I agree. So, <laughs> so, you you know, to me, what I'm trying to share with you is not because you see me as a high level coach, whatever. It's not. It's just dealing with people. You know and something that works for me now works for me and doesn't have to work for anybody else and what works for you it's awesome and you know so it's it's important that we can see how people do things so differently so we we can understand that what we do is is a great thing make sense thanks a lot sergey who else come on guys Roland, I know you from a long time. Come on, h- h- how are you doing over there? I'm okay. Okay. But, uh, for me, my my groups are not really uh, top level. Okay, they are they're still actually pretty young. So I I do uh, like some of them say I just do drop papers at the moment. Okay. Awesome. Anybody else talk about taper? <laughs>